What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to the Wealth Managed podcast. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research for Morningstar and an adjunct professor at the American College. David, there's been a lot of talk recently about goal-based investing. And I know this is a topic that you and I have thought about in the past. There have been some criticisms of goal-based investing. A lot of people are attracted to the concept because goals keep clients motivated. What are some of the factors that you need to consider when you're building a goal-based portfolio? Because normally when we think about a portfolio, it's in isolation from the actual spending goal. It means that you're focused on things like annual volatility and, and how much return you're getting on average each year, but you're not necessarily focused on the spending goal. How does focusing on the spending goal affect the investment process? I mean, you know, first, the idea that someone doesn't like goal-based investing, I think, is a little bit absurd, right? No one likes to save money. Saving money is not a fun activity. You save money to do something with it, to accomplish a goal. And therefore, the idea that you would ignore the risks of the goal are kind of absurd. And, you know, to your point, to the extent that you consider the risks of the goal and what you're trying to accomplish, it can have a significant implication on every aspect of the portfolio. What is the risk level? What are the asset classes? So I think that that in reality, as an industry, we need to move away from this kind of investment-centric approach to one that is more proactively considering, you know, how exactly is this portfolio helping me accomplish what I'm actually saving or using it for? But David, I thought the whole point of this was to brag about how much money we have and how well we performed our investments over the last year, how much alpha we've been generating. So you're telling uh, you me said, none of you that said really the A word. You said, well, I think, but see, isn't that part of the problem, right? I mean, you think about a lot of statements that get sent out. What is on like the very first page? It's the balance and the performance. And I mean, I guess that that's useful information, but we've conditioned investors that performance is the most important thing, right? You know, obviously, you know, if you're an alpha machine, adding alpha helps you achieve a goal faster, right? But in reality, well, what you should be helping clients focus on ideally is, is how your strategy is helping them accomplish a goal. And I think that there's more to accomplishing a goal than just building an efficient portfolio. You know, if your goal is, is I want income for life, that's great for guaranteed income. And I think that part of the problem is, is that too often advisors do focus on that kind of traditional market efficient frontier, and they ignore all the components of helping someone truly have an efficient goal-based strategy. Let's say you're saving for a kid's college education. Why not just focus on the aggregate portfolio? Why focus on this specific goal? And what aspects do you need to consider when you're building an investment portfolio for a specific goal? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that to your point, in theory, you could have one global portfolio or a variety of sub-portfolios, right? And if money was truly fungible across accounts, that makes more sense, right? But in reality, it's not. So I think college is like the perfect example because the most efficient vehicle to fund college is going to be a 529, right? And monies that exist in a 529 that are in excess really can't be used to fund other goals. And so like that's an example of a sub-account that I think does deserve its own portfolio that could be distinct from, say, your 401k or IRA monies because those monies should be used to fund college expenses because if they aren't, there can be significant penalties associated with using them to fund other goals. Now, we've actually studied how people invest in these accounts, and 
we've noticed that there is a phenomenon that may actually be a little bit inefficient. And that is that when people are investing for a goal, there does seem to be a preference for reducing investment risk as you get closer to meeting that goal. So, and that focus on a dollar amount, which may be a completely random dollar amount in nominal dollars that has nothing to do with your ability to actually meet your spending goal in after inflation dollars, you get so fixated on that number that it may guide you down the wrong path. And I think that might be one of the potential criticisms of goal-based investing is that it maybe guides people to a portfolio strategy that's less efficient than just focusing on the aggregate portfolio. To your point, you know, it's good to fixate on a portfolio that exists to fund a goal, but it can also be bad to the extent that, you know, if, if each portfolio is, is efficient in isolation, doesn't mean that they're all efficient in the aggregate, right? And so I think that's part of the problem is that based upon the number of goals, the complexity, uh, the, the fungibility, you know, a, a myopic focus on how to achieve each goal might not actually lead to the best outcome for the investor. Well, and specifically, we found that people tend to prefer a decreasing risk glide path when it comes to goal-based investing. So even if you're saving for your kid's education and you may be 45 years old, about to hit the peak earning part of your life cycle, all of a sudden you have, have a big chunk of your money and you're taking less and less risk as your kid gets closer to their goal, when your aggregate portfolio probably should be pretty risky. You still have a lot of your, your investments in human capital. Your 529 plan is a great example of how understanding how to use tax efficient strategies in order to meet specific spending goals can actually help you in terms of net returns. Let's take a break. We'll be back in a bit. At the American College of Financial Services, we're proud of the accomplishments of our expert faculty and thought leaders and the recognition they receive both inside and outside our organization. This is George Nichols, President and CEO. And I'd like to congratulate Michael Finca and David Blanchett, hosts of our Wealth Managed podcast, on being named to the 2021 Think Advisor IA25 list of professionals pushing the financial services industry forward. On behalf of all of us at the college, keep up the great work. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Welcome back. Let's continue our conversation. What are some of the other advantages of taking a goal-based approach? To me, the number one benefit is that it keeps a client focused on what they're trying to accomplish, right? I think that, you know, like the one thing I don't love about a lot of financial planning tools is that they might just have like one aggregate result. And so that ah, this is the results of all of your, of all your strategies. Well, you know, like different goals can be funded at different levels that, you know, like you can move money across accounts. I think that, you know, I want to keep someone focused on what they're trying to do which isn't just you know adding alpha, that's what advisors like to do, but it's all those pieces required to actually accomplish a goal. So if you're trying to retire, sure, good portfolios mean a lot, but also figuring out like how much you should spend when you should retire, all that is really important too. I do think it's motivating. I think that once yeah. you tie the goal to your financial plan, it motivates people to actually follow through on saving. So there actually has been research on this and they found that, for example, when you have a savings account and you label it, let's say this is your vacation account that you're going to take in two years, all of a sudden people get more motivated to build up the size of the account because then 
it's a loss if they fail to meet their goal. And as we know, loss aversion is a very powerful motivator. So you get people to imagine what their goal is going to be. And then once they become wedded to it, once they see that as something that they hope to accomplish, then if they fail, that creates a sense of loss. And that's a real emotional problem. And if you're just trying to get people to save more because they're not saving enough, because you said so, because they're, you know, they somehow feel like they're they're failing something, but they're not really sure what they're failing. They're failing their financial advisor, but not saving enough. That may not be enough of a motivator to get people to actually make the sacrifices that are needed to accomplish whatever it is that they want to accomplish in life. The other thing I think about goals that is is so important is that so many of us we don't actually take the time to think about what our life goals are. That process in itself is an incredibly valuable thing for all human beings to have to do at different points in their lifetime, to take a step back and think, what is it that I want to achieve with my life? And how can I use money to help achieve that specific goal? Many of us never take the time to reflect. And because we're creatures of habit, we just end up doing the same thing that we did yesterday without actually trying to map out what the future is going to look like. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that one of the things that you touched on is, is so important when it comes to the idea of goal-based investing. And, you know, someone could look at, at me and say, David, you are, you are not a very efficient allocator across all your accounts. You are rapidly paying down these student loans that have a, a 2% or 3% interest rate. You should put that money in the market and invest that for retirement. But but here's the thing: like that wouldn't motivate me as much, right? And I think people often get kind of you know all interested in like, oh, well, your portfolio own two percent or four percent. But if I'm saving effectively twice as much as I would if it for retirement versus if I'm paying down my loans, that actually moves the needle a lot more. And so I think to your point, if you can get someone to care about something, then they're gonna they're gonna shift their priorities and save a lot more for it. And if it's just part of this kind of like nebulous portfolio that exists to kind of do something at some point in the future. What if people are far away from meeting their goals? Doesn't that create a bit of a problem as well? Because that means that they may be inclined to take greater risk than they should because they're far away from meeting that sort of arbitrary dollar amount that they wanted to meet. Well, I think that, and that's why saving for retirement when you're 35 or 30 years old is so hard, right? I mean, like, what does retirement even mean? Like, my God, I've got to buy a house and I've got student loans and everything else. And so for me, I think that, that the extent that you can make goals seem real, the more you're going to get someone to focus on them and to actually make better choices when it comes to funding them. I guess the point I was trying to make is, is what happens when you're all of a sudden two years away from retirement and it was your goal to have a million dollars saved for retirement and you've only got $600,000, then there may be a temptation to take too much risk to get to that million dollar threshold. So in other words, by focusing too much on that dollar amount, it may motivate people to take risks to invest in a portfolio that's not necessarily consistent with their true preferences. Well, and, and to your point, if they achieve that goal, they might take way too little risk, right? I think that too often we anchor an outcome to a quasi-random point that is, is not very efficient at all from like a, a risk or kind of like goal completion perspective. Now, I'm going to end this discussion on a book, which I'm, I'm reading right now by Katie Milkman. And one of the interesting findings from her research 
is that if you establish a goal at a very specific time that has meaning, it's one of the reasons why people set goals on January 1st or on your birthday, that in their mind creates a demarcation line, a period where they weren't focused on the goal and a period where they are focused on the goal. And if you can focus on those special occasions where you can create a sort of demarcation line, people are more likely to actually reach their goal because all of a sudden they've established a habit, they've created a new framing for what they're hoping to achieve in their life. And if you if you do it on a special occasion like that, then you're more likely to actually succeed. So something to remember when you want to change course is to focus on a specific date and say, on my birthday, on the new year, I'm going to make a change. And there's actually some really interesting research that people who've had very traumatic events happen in their life, that's what it takes to oftentimes break them from their bad habits because all of a sudden it shocks them into sort of a new sense of reality. So Michael, how are you using that to, to change your life? You know, it's a really interesting and, and sort of a personal question, David. So back in, in 2002, I had a major experience in my life. My dad died. It was very unexpected. And I, I sense that at that moment, it was the first time that I've ever had the opportunity to reflect on where my life was going. And at that moment, I decided to make some changes. I actually went back to school and got my PhD in finance. And uh, I made some other changes in my life that completely reversed the direction. But it was that it was that moment that that sort of shook me off track. So advisors can actually create an artificial simulation of that type of a moment by focusing on a date that has meaning for the client and then creating a new plan where they follow a new track after that date and then using that opportunity for reframing to get people to actually be more likely to develop new habits. Very cool. All right. Thank you for joining us for the Wealth Managed Podcast. I'm Michael Finca. And I'm David Blanchett. See you all later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services.